Hi, my name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Metis International, a full-service global solution for accounting and advisory services. And you are Inside the C-Suite. Well, first, I'd like to welcome everybody to Inside the C-Suite. This is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Metis International and Prager Metis CPAs. And I'm really pleased to be joined by Gabe Woloski today. Gabe is a partner of mine and has been for eight years now at Prager Metis. And I'd like to introduce Gabe and get Gabe to talk a little bit about himself. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you for inviting me to participate in this conversation. Um, I met Glenn probably 10 years ago at a New York State Society meeting for medium and large size firms. I was then co-managing partner of a firm called Prager and Fenton. We were a 100-person firm. Glenn was managing partner of a 100-person firm. And there was something about the way Glenn talked about his practice that sort of attracted me. And when I stepped down as co-managing partner of the firm and our partner, David Nesty, took over, I introduced David to Glenn and we became partners. So it's been a, a fun ride since then. I didn't start out my career at Prager and Fenton. I started it at Arthur Anderson. I lasted a very short period of time there. I guess I was an independent thinker. I was hired with a goatee, told to shave it off. The conditions when I was hired was if you had it, it had to be neat, and the client had to complain. I never saw a client, and it was neat. So I left and went back and got an LLM in tax and then joined Prager and Fenton, where uh, then managing part, when he interviewed me, said, did you sue the guys? And I said, no. I said, All I wanted was a good recommendation for the bar exam. But I thought I'd found a home, and it was because it allowed me to do anything I wanted to do in terms of work. And everybody was a generalist in those days, but I got lucky. I brought in the largest wrongful death case in New York State history. And for 12 years, I was the expert on that case. And I did that early in my career and continued on and on and touched base in many areas. Although I'm a tax partner, I wound up bringing more audits than most other partners in the firm and stayed on the audits, even though I didn't have the expertise just to be able to keep the relationship with the clients. And I learned a lot about relationships in those days. But I also a step back before professional life, my dad ran a small chain of five and tens, and I grew up working in the stores, and I like to joke, I started as a stock boy and rose to be president and a co-owner of the company. Easy when it's your father, but it's hard when it's your father and you've got to compete, and I learned loads of lessons about how to make relationships work as you work with people who walk in the store and you want to maintain a relationship, and we were able to do that with some families for over 50 years, so that stood me well as I joined Prager and Fenn. That's pretty interesting. You speak a lot about relationships. And, you know, even at this stage of my career, when I sit with you, Gabe, and I see that the relationships that you've had and continue to have going forward, I'm really in awe of those relationships. And, you know, for me, it's how do you teach that? How do you get folks to learn that? But look, I wrote an article recently called P2P, which is person to person. And we hear about cyber and bots and technology is going to replace the human being and on and on and on. And, you know, when I sit with Gabe and, you know, we've developed a relationship over the years, a good one, thankfully, um, because I didn't ask him to shave his goatee. But um, <laughs> all kidding aside, Gabe, how do you go about teaching what it is you learned at that five and dime? I think you have to learn that everybody's valuable and that's your partners, your team members who work there and the clients. And you've got to figure out, what you want to do out of things and how you enjoy the people you work with. Learn about their interests, understand their lives. I mean, I've been exposed to things through clients that I never would have exposed to as a kid growing up in a lower middle class family. 
I've met Nobel Prize winners and represented them, Medal of Honor winners, people who've won every entertainment award imaginable, people who've run for political office. And if you're just interested in people, you pick up interests, and those interests feed into meeting other people, and you pick up business along the way. It's not about standing there with your cards hanging out. It's about caring, spending time listening to people, and being part of your team's life, and being understanding when they've got a sick kid at home and they can't get something done, you do it. So that's interesting to me, Gabe. So let's stay on this, because I think about bots or robots, whatever you want to call them, and all the words that you're using, relationship, caring, I like to say generosity, empathy, all of these things are human emotions, right? Right. A robot cannot take that on. You know, a robot can process transactions, but it can't develop those relationships. How important is it to care and to care with meaning? It's important. Look, we had a client I was doing some planning for. I was asked to be the gray hair in the room when we made the pitch. Somehow I said something in the meeting that sort of resonated with the elder in the room, if you will. He called me back, and I wound up being his advisor. I'm his trustee, successor trustee and the like. But his wife was dying of cancer while we were doing planning, and he called me on Saturdays and Sundays. And it was necessary, and my family understood, and I understood, because he can buy the talent to do his tax return. He can't buy caring. You just don't get that. It's not paying by the hour. It's getting somebody who's not even worrying about the clock or what they're doing. You need me now, I'm there for you. And clients like that don't leave. So tell me, because we are an accounting firm, we are a for-profit organization, we are a business, right? But how does caring translate into a business or making money or profitability? Look, I always tell students who come in, I tell staff members and even partners that we're not a nonprofit institution. We've got to make a profit. But you've got to be practical. You've got to apply the time necessary to do a job. The job's got to be competent. But if you care, you go beyond the job you're asked to do. If you're doing a tax return, I was reviewing a tax return for somebody who was out sick, and I sat in, and I mentioned to the couple I was sending a tax return is that you know, he has problems with his HSA account or his withholding. And we straightened that out. So it's not just getting the product out. There'll be clients for much longer than they would otherwise been if I just grinded out the tax return. But it's using your skill set. Look for something different. That's the value add. Value add is what you bring as a human being, as a person, to your clients. And having a set of principles. Clients respect that. I have a client who used to fight me about fees and everything else, and he'd send me in to other accounting firms who did some of his real estate partnerships and tell him to tell him back, I can't do that. And I understood why he couldn't do that, because he needed to beat them up, if you will, to get it. But he also didn't want to be audited. So I did that for him, and it was a gift. And he's fired attorneys over the years. I was an accountant for 40-something years till he passed away. That's a long-term relationship. Tell me about some of the younger people that you've mentored over the years in the firm. And absolutely, caring comes into the mind, but also generosity. You're a very generous person when it comes to giving your time, giving your knowledge, expertise and sharing philosophy. Tell me how important that is. It's important. We're all not going to go on forever. Selfish means if the next people move up, I get paid out of my retirement. They grow and we retain the clients. And you hate to lose clients you spent 40 years working on. So it's giving the tools to grow and explaining what you do and don't do. And there are easy ways to mentor. In the beginning of my career, I was a control freak. I had to send out every email, look at every email. Now, You can handle this. You send it out simple. You're worried about it. I'll do a draft. 
I'll show you how to do the draft. Sit at a meeting with me. Listen. And you try to ask people questions where they're prepped in advance so they can add value to it. And if it sounds natural, it works. And the client accepts them calling back then rather than me. I was very lucky. A managing partner of Prager and Fenton when I started didn't work in the office for Memorial Day to Labor Day. There was no technology. And you had to be able to fend for yourself for the most part. You didn't dare call them unless it was an emergency from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And you had to find a way to make it work and carry it over to the next step. I try to teach that to people. If you can't reach me, what are you going to do? How are you going to solve the problem? We talk through things. And if I come up with a solution to a problem that they face, we try to work it through together. But if they can't, we explain how I got there and what I applied to the situation. So you try to mentor people to do that. Very interesting. So let's try to give young people And I also leave candy at my desk so people come in and talk. And I've done that for many years. And it's not because I want to make the staff bigger. But people are open (laughs) when they sit down. They come in and they drop in and talk about what's on their mind. And you establish a relationship and you're approachable. And when you talk about what's going on in their lives, you relate to them. I, even when I've let people go, I've told them that I left Arthur Anderson on the terms in which I left. And I was told I couldn't be an accountant by Arthur Anderson when I left. HR told me, you'll never make it. I've been doing it for over 40 years. I'm making a decent living. So nobody should tell you what you do. You should find out what works for you. We may not be the right place. It's not that there's something wrong with you. We may not be the right place for you and give you what you need. So it's trying to be understanding at every step of the way, whether you're working with people or you're terminating them. Really goes back to that caring about the person, the individual, all over again, whether it's clients. They're all people. Or, you know, or we, we don't get employees. a chance to be down. Machines can be down. Well, let's talk a little bit or give younger people a little opportunity here to learn about caring and networking. Let's talk about certainly when you started out in this profession, this maybe overused word today of networking wasn't really probably the word that was being used. Talk about going out and finding business. But it is really about relationship building, more than let's just call it networking. So tell me how important those relationships are in building a practice around yourself. You never know where business comes from. Life is different than when I started. I took over a book of bills from a partner who got business at country clubs. He played golf. I don't play golf. He got business from friends. My friends won't share their information with me. You go out there and you just be yourself. Attend events. I've always approached life from an academic viewpoint. I want to learn. And in my room and I learn and I ask questions like people gravitate to you. And then you join organizations and you write if that works for you. But I've always encouraged every person to find their own voice because I've reached a certain age. You and I have looked for successes for me to take over some of the things that I've done over the years. And in each one of those instances, I've encouraged people to be themselves. What works for me doesn't work for them. But they have to want to be able to go out there and enjoy people. And if you enjoy people, you're going to get the business. Because the assumption is you're at a quality firm, you know what you're doing. You just have to let people know you're with them. You understand where they're coming from. You understand what they're going through, whether it's a kid getting divorced, whether it's somebody having a health problem. I'm not a doctor, but I can certainly make an introduction to some people who are doctors at hospitals, or I can just listen. That's great advice, but I want to say it's not that easy to find another game. You're a hard act to follow. Tell me a little bit about how important these relationships have been through a challenge like COVID. You know, it's very difficult in COVID to do things the way you've done them before. You know, I usually like to be out in the city two or three nights a week attending events, events that I find enjoyable, academic, some of them I've run and spoken at or not, 
and some of them have breakfast, lunches. You can't do that during COVID. So you reach out to people and see how they're doing. I just reached out to an attorney I know who is retiring and asked how retirement's going. And does he feel alone, if you will? He's not going to the office. And we're setting up a Zoom meeting with he and associates in multiple offices so he can be part of something and build something even in semi-retirement. So it's all different as to how you do it. And you know, but that's what we can learn from young people. They're much more adept at using this equipment than we are and much more comfortable. And, you know, if we encourage them to make us feel comfortable without being patronizing, we're going to learn from them also, and they're going to participate. All about what people can learn, isn't it? But tell me, Gabe, in wrapping this up, what would you want your professional legacy to be when it comes to P2P? It's the people I've left behind, the clients I've left with the firm and the staff I've left behind. And I was very touched by Stephen Topal, who told me one of the reasons he'd voted for the merger. Somebody who worked for me probably 20-something years before that said he learned a lot from me. I spent time teaching him. And if I've done that to any number of people and help people advance if they want to advance from one level to another, that's a great legacy. Well, with that, I think that that's a wonderful note to end on. And Stephen happens to be another gentleman that really understands the caring and the value add that we bring as people to our clients, our vendors, our team members, and our partners. And that must have meant a great deal to him. So, Gabe, thank you for joining us inside the C-suite. And I look forward to seeing you one day back in the office. (laughs) Be nice. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care.